I'd like to welcome everyone this morning. And Good morning. Got a few folks out today. We've got some visitors here. We've got Senator Dorsey Ridley's here for Dr. Dunaway's sermon. We're glad to have you, Senator Ridley. And Sue Baker from Judge Watkins' office is here. Appreciate them. They've always been good friends of this church. And Tina Belcher's filling in for Jika. She's away traveling. We also have our youth on their um, trip to Florida uh, traveling. The pastor's away on vacation. And then passport camp is coming up this week, so we need for everyone to be in prayers for them. Uh, Kids Quest is uh, mentioned in your bulletin for children uh, from the uh, fifth grade. If you're going into the first grade to the fifth grade this year on July 13th and July 27th, uh, Kristen will be leading Kids Quest uh, from 1 to 5 p.m. She's got activities planned. If you've got questions about that, uh, give her a um, shout out and she'll be glad to fill you in. Uh, Your other information is there in your bulletin. And we do have a very special uh, birthday today. Uh, Kaylee Neal is her birthday, and uh, Mark has a little presentation for Kaylee. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kaylee. Happy birthday to you. And on that note, let's stand and uh, extend the fellowship to everyone and welcome to Community Baptist Church.
Thinking about today, I thought about my father. I thought of the pride that he had in our flag and in our country. I jotted down some things I wanted to share for a moment. I look at the flag, my father's flag, with great pride. The kind of pride he had in his flag. The flag my dad cherished was made by Betsy Ross as our country was forming in the revolution. My dad's flag flew over Appomattox when the Civil War ended. My dad's flag would wave as Teddy Roosevelt's troops stormed San Juan Hill in the Spanish-American War. My dad picked up that flag in 1917 when he marched off to World War I, he held that flag as he waited on board the ship to sail to France. The day the war ended, he carried the flag in the Fourth of July parades with pride. Then one day the Japanese struck Pearl Harbor and he was crushed that his flag was shattered. Now too old for the military, he took his flag and went to Cincinnati to work in a factory making war materials. He carried his flag, and he wanted to do his part to honor that flag. My dad's flag, though battered at Pearl Harbor, was carried into battle at Midway, Guam, and Iwo Jima, the Battle of the Bulge. At Hitler's defeat in Berlin, and finally on the ship in Japan Bay, when the papers were signed ending World War II. My dad carried his flag with pride when the troops came marching home with victory, shining in their smiles. My dad's flag was carried into battle in Korea, in Vietnam, and the Gulf Wars. Finally, when the end came, 40 years ago, his flag was given to my mother who kept it with pride, just as he had. Then one day it was handed on to me. I hold it with pride and look upon it as it waves over our nation's capital and in the yards of families all over America. It is with the same pride my dad had in his flag that I hold it because of my, what my country has done for me. Today, as we remember my dad's flag, your flag, the nation's flag, I hold it high in our hearts with pride. I ask you to join with me in pledging allegiance to my dad's flag, to your flag, to the nation's flag, and remain standing for the Star-Spangled Banner. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
Uh, well, to, now, today is a birthday. It's another birthday, isn't it? We already sang a birthday to one person. But today is a birthday. Do you know who's, who else's birthday it is today? Who's this? What's that? It's America's birthday, right? It's the birthday of the United States of America, our country. Today, what what is today? The fourth of the fourth of July. That's and it's your sister's birthday. <laughs> At nine o'clock tonight, you're going to see fireworks. That's good. Do you, you are too. All right. Do you know how many are going to see fireworks tonight? Oh yeah, maybe, maybe me too. <laughs> uh, do you know how old our country is? You know how many birthdays it's had? How? Old? No, it's older than that. Two hundred thirty-four years old. Two hundred thirty. That would take. You know, if we had a cake. To put candles on, it'd take a pretty big cake, wouldn't it, to put 234 candles. Why was our country started? Can anybody give a, a guess why our country was started? Okay. Independence from Britain and something else. That's good. How about freedom? Freedom, right. That was the other thing. Let me show you something here. This, I brought this in today for you to see. We've had this in our home for a long time. Do you know what this is? It's the Declaration of Independence. It's not the real one, but we don't have the real one. But this is what it looks like. And there are names right down here. Do you know how many people, how many men signed the Declaration of Independence? There are 50 six names 56 that was a lot of people and how many colonies at that time they weren't called states they were called colonies do you know how many colonies they represented they represented 13 right the first 13 colonies and they pledged to each other their lives their fortunes and their sacred honor and from this Declaration of Independence, we, we developed some free, they developed some freedoms. Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble, that's together, together, like we're doing here today, freedom to petition, and freedom of religion. And that's the one, the freedom of religion is what's special to us here this morning, because that's the one which guarantees us the freedom to worship, or come to church, or go to Sunday school, or vacation Bible school, because these men declared our country's freedom, we still have freedom on this 234th birthday of our country. Many others have paid a high price to keep our freedoms, just like uh, the, uh, Pastor Dunaway's father talked about the sacrifices that he made. Many others have paid a price to keep our freedoms, including soldiers and sailors, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and we mustn't forget the law enforcement as well, police. Let me, now I've got something here to show you. You know what this is? 
Yep. Yeah, it's a soldier suit. You know whose suit that was? It was mine when I was a soldier. I was a soldier for 20 years, and so that was my suit. And yes. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. Well, I just brought the coat in to show you. You know, that was that was what I. <laughs> I couldn't wear it either. I, <laughs> it doesn't fit me now. No. But we can thank God for our freedoms handed to us from those who started our nation long long ago. And we can give thanks to those who have fought to protect our freedoms as well. Would it be okay if I had all those who have served in the military to, to stand just for a moment to be recognized? All of you who served in some form of military, would you stand? Okay. And that's... Now, I have something for each of you this morning. Do you know what... Uh, What's on the flag? There are two things on the flag. There's stars and stripes. And I'm going to give you all some stars this morning. So have a couple. Take, take a couple. There you go. Whoops. <laughs> That's good. They are cookies. Star, yeah, star cookies. Okay. Let's dance, sing hymn number six thirty four. My country, tis of thee.
Our scripture this morning is Romans 13, 1 through 9. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments are, do do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these commandments that you give us, and you give them to us because you want the best for us, Lord. You truly want us to have a a good and happy life. And through that, and through our commitment to your son, Jesus, we are to have a a happy life. Lord, give us a commitment to our church and to serving others. We ask that uh, we be like the early church and that every day that we, we come here, we offer our thanks for all the blessings you've given us and for the goodness that your love shows us. Lord, I ask you to bless Dr. Dunaway in his sermon today, and I thank you for his life of service for you. Help us also to be servants to your will. And Lord, be with our youth as they're traveling today in Florida. Bless them and touch them in a special way. Hopefully, you can touch the lives of, of them and help them and change them for good in all that they do. Lord, guide this church and bless us and watch over us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Will you pray with me? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the freedom to worship in your house, to gather together in your holy name and presence. Thank you for this day that we call Independence Day. Thank you for all the liberties that we are able to do and enjoy. Thank you for all those that went before us and those that are still fighting for our constant and continuing freedoms. Thank you and be with all our servicemen and women in hopes that they come home soon to be with their own families so they can celebrate like each one of us are. Now as we continue our service, we ask that each one celebrate through tithing. Take our tithes and utilize them to glorify your kingdom and your works. We also ask that you anoint Dr. Dunaway as he brings us your holy words of love, kindness, hope, and direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
We're going to do a little special for Dr. Dunaway. Mama, we're not on. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do a special for Dr. Dunaway for today. And, uh, I thought he you had me on that one. He wanted, us, he wanted to sing with us on it, but we only had two copies of the music. <laughs> And somebody broke the copy machine on per- I mean, accidentally broke the copy machine, so we only had two copies of it. Yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, this will be the last time we get to hear Dr. Dunaway preach. It's been such a privilege over the years. He's done so much for our church. and uh, We didn't have any special music this morning, so I told Mark, we'll... We'll try this cowboy song. It's and appropriate thinking, for him. <laughs> uh, we'll try this, and hopefully uh, it'll, it'll prompt him to maybe turn in part of his John Wayne sermon he did for us a few years ago. Yeah. Tell him the title of this one. It's called Jesus Broke the Wild Horse in My Heart.
wistfulness and the dark And he drove all the wolves from my door And he gave me your love Like I'd never had before He showed me wealth and rain and he said it was mine if I just follow him so I'm here now to stay to live day by day and follow his wonder So I'm here now to stay, to live day by day, and follow his wonderful way. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is a privilege to be here again, to have the opportunity to speak. It's a privilege to see all of you, some of you who are visiting with us, and we're grateful that you are here today. I'm grateful for the choir in my honor because they thought I was going to sing with them there out in the auditorium. <laughs> is that an honor? <laughs> Can we... Pick up two or three things. I've got a joke there, but I'll tell it later. Uh, the uh, scripture that was read really said three things. It said simply that government is for us and for the betterment of our society, and therefore we must respect the law as citizens. It says that we also need to respect those officials who are serving us for their intent is to help make our community, our society, our world better. And it also says we need to respect one another. The moral values that we have political beliefs that we may follow, the religious commitments that we make. About 60 years after the United States was formed, Samuel F. Smith labored and wrote America that was presented to the in Boston to the Park Street Church on the 4th of July. I like what it says. 
My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. Of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if I would add a couple more lines to that, it would be from Francis Scott Keyes when he watched over Fort McHenry, the battered flag of the United States of America. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. I have to confess to you that I have a great love for this country. Like my father, I have a great love for this pride, with, for this flag that we have behind me on my left. A great love for the flag that flies over the nation's capital. Great love for the flag that flies over the capital of Kentucky. For it means a lot for some of you here today, as you stood a few moments ago, representing forms of military that you served in, it meant a lot to you, and it was and is important. I have to say with all honesty, there are some things that I don't like as history records them in our country. I don't like the way the Native Americans were treated at one point in history, for it violated our own beliefs. I don't like the black cloud of slavery that fell over this land and brought about a civil war. I don't like our young men and women fighting in undeclared wars, but I respect them immensely because, like it or not, they answered the call of our country and they went to far points of the world, willing to sacrifice their lives and all that they have. And I don't like the partisanship that's present in our nation's capital when people are more interested in a party than they are in working for the betterment of a country and solving the problems and challenges that face our country. As I look back, for a moment over the history of our country, and I majored in history in college. I recall so very much that we have religious freedom and above all, we have the separation of church and state. Some settlers came to this country from England, the Netherlands, from other parts of Europe to find a way to express their faith. For some of them had been caught under the tyranny of the state while in their church they had to pay taxes for the payment of the minister for the state and for others is the state church. Our people came to Massachusetts, to Virginia, 
to Maryland, to other parts of our 13 colonies, in order to express their desire and belief in the freedom of worship and in the separation of the church and state. But not all came for religious freedom. New York was settled for commercial interest. Georgia became a dumping ground for prisoners. But we came, and religious freedom became a major part, and the separation of church and state became a reality. When Thomas Jefferson not only presented the Declaration of Independence, but worked with James Madison to provide that Bill of Rights that gave protection to the minorities of our country. We have a freedom to worship. President Jefferson wrote to a friend, making clear what the separation of church and state was when some were questioning it. He said, the state shall not have control of the church, and the church shall not have control of the state. It's laws we honor, but not compelled to one church. You know, the, of all things, and all the shocking things, the Texas Board of Education that's studying curriculum right now, and the bad thing is their curriculum becomes the curriculum basically for most educational systems in the United States because of the large majority of students that they have and all that's there. They have belittled the role of Thomas Jefferson in their presentation in the role of Thomas Jefferson in the separation of church and state. In fact, they called it a myth. But Jefferson did not feel it to be a myth. He felt it to be a vital part of the United States of America. Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson looked out, and they said the separation of church and state is a myth. And it moved many in a nation to the extreme right. The same Board of Education has also minimized the role that slaves had in the creation of the Civil War. In fact, in that curriculum, they barely mentioned the word slave. They use another word to describe it. But the reality of it is, it was slaves receiving inhuman treatment who were property and not persons that brought about a division in this land that was settled only in a war. They have said, Robertson, Falwell, have said this is a Christian nation and we need to promote our laws and our morality. 
But ladies and gentlemen, this is not a Christian nation. It is a nation with Christians in it. If you look out today, the fastest growing religion in the United States is not Christianity. It is a Muslim faith. What happens? I don't know in the years to come. But we need to remember that this is a nation with Christians in it who join in the expression of their faith come Sunday, sing the praises to the God that they have the freedom to sing it to, knowing that they cannot be threatened by the state for what they do. This is the freedom. This is what we have. Robertson and Falwell and many others, honest and sincere people, have believed that you need to press the Ten Commandments on the citizenship of a country, place it on the walls of public buildings, for they say it is a moral law, has nothing to do with religion. I want to read you something. Exodus 20, listen carefully. Some of you won't agree with me, I'm sure. And God spoke all these words, saying, and he spoke them to the Jewish people who were gathered there. I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Who? The Jewish nation. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an image. You shall not bow down before the other gods or serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am jealous, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the fourth generation. This is given to a religious body. It cannot command under the separation of church and state and the freedom of religion. It cannot command anybody to worship any god. I believe in this Jewish God who gave to us the only begotten Son through whom I found life and meaning to life and abundant life. But we're not forced. We cannot compel our faith. And if you look carefully at history, our forefathers did not compel their faith on other people. And Jesus certainly didn't. They responded by love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Christ loved the world and gave himself for us. And the people over the generations have responded not because of the threat of sword, but because of the loving God's hand extended toward us. We need to honor these commandments from 6 through 10, for they are the moral statements that ought to be the practice of every life. But in the first part of the commandments, the freedom to worship is ours or not to worship. The separation of church and state is made clear when Jefferson wrote his friend saying simply, the state cannot control the church and the church cannot control the state. 
We're living in two equal roles of life in here. And but when you begin to think for a moment, Jeremiah was right when he spoke of religion of the heart. And Jesus was right when he said, from out of the heart come the things, the good things of life. They're simply saying that religious faith is born on the inside of us by the Spirit of God that changes a human life. I can testify to it because I've been there. I have seen others testifying to it that God in his own way, his own way, changed men's lives and women's lives to make them wholesome and good and worthwhile. That's the way of the kingdom. That's the way God works. That's the way he saves lives. That's the way he changes lives. We're not forced to honor the values of the scripture. But within us, we do. We are forced to recognize we can't take the life of another. We can't steal. We can't, or at least we should not lie. Somebody said a lie is an abomination to God, but a very special help in times of need. What we have is a realization that, at least I do, that I love this nation because this nation has provided a separation of a church and state that allows us to worship in whatever environment we want, there's some things I don't agree with in other denominations, but that's their privilege to do it. I don't agree with, as far as it goes, I don't care much for the idea of raising of the hands. That's somebody's freedom to worship, this guy in Corbin. So a fella, he tried to go to the seminary, and he couldn't go. He flunked out, and he came out and worked in a shoe store, and he joined our church. He, he was a good musician. He sang well and uh, so he was singing in the choir, and Tommy would raise his hands in there on doxology and some praise songs. And that was great as far as I'm concerned. That's the way he expressed it. But old Alan came up to him after church one day, and he said, Tommy, if I see you raise your hands again, I'm going to knock hell out of you. Tommy, Tommy came running up to me. He said, he, that's what he said. Said, do you think he'd do it? I said, Tommy, he's mean as the devil. I don't know what he'll do. Tommy didn't raise his hands anymore. <laughs> but, but it's a freedom you have. It's not something I'm objecting to. It's a freedom you have. In the religious freedom that we enjoy in this country. One of the problems that confronts our religious freedom, as far as I'm concerned, because I'm a churchman. I believe in the church. The church has paid my salary for a long time, helped send my children to school. So I believe in the church, but I believe in it for what it is. And you know, there's a group that call themselves spiritual, but not religious. And censoring what they're saying, we meditate and we do some of these spiritual things. But the church does not have any place in our lives. Well, let me ask you a question. Did the worship 
with the body of people have a place in the life of Jesus? The scripture says, as his custom was, he went to the temple on the Sabbath day. It did. And, and, and really, when you think for a moment, the church has a place because we congregate together here. Well, it, it, it did for Paul. It did for Simon Peter. Hebrews said, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. The church has a role in the book of Acts. If you read that book carefully in those early chapters, it is saying that the church is where the people worked. They ministered to the hurting and the hungry, the poor, and whoever came to them. And they brought people to Jesus. The church, with all of its faults, and it has them, because I'm a member of it, and you're a member of it. And we are limited in who we are. But it also has its pluses because of what it does under the power of the Spirit of God that moves the church in righteousness for the kingdom. You know... Sometimes we get, a lot of people do, they, if you talk about, you know, our numbers are not good. And they have said, I've heard it said over the years, and I've held revivals in places, that's just figures on paper. They're not important. Let me ask you something. I don't know, there's 75, 80, 90 in here this morning. Are you a figure on paper? No, you're not. You're a human being seated in that pew and I hope put something in an offering place when it's passed. You are a person. A person that is invaluable to the church of Jesus Christ. A person that needs to be involved and maybe, maybe the church has a reason to look at itself and begin to, to wonder if it needs to be more involved. The church is important. I, I like that story that came out of the uh, uh, Civil War when uh, General Sherman was marching to Atlanta and marching in the streets of Atlanta. And this little old lady grabbed a hole and a shovel. And she started out to meet Sherman. And one fellow said, what in the world are you doing with that? And she said, I'm going to meet him. He said, that won't do you any good. She said, I know, but I'll show him whose side I'm on. That is why you go to church. That is how the church is important. On the Lord's Day, your presence shows whose side you're on. You know, 
Let me deviate for a moment to talk about the church, but from a business world standpoint. Peter Drucker, who was a guru of business, he uh, spoke all over the all over the world. One of the most brilliant men in, in the business world, as far as lectures and so forth are concerned. He has said some things about business that have some direct application, I think, to the Church of Jesus Christ. He said that in the church or in business, each person must be respected for the role that person has in the life of that business and supported in that. Even in a greater sense, the people and the church is made up of people. The people who compose the church of Jesus Christ. Some of us with flaws like I have. And you. Some of us out of different backgrounds. Some of us with a little money. Some of us with more. Some of us with more education. Some of us with less. But whoever it is, whatever background we come to, Drucker is right and Jesus is right. And the scriptures are right when saying that God is no respecter of persons. We belong together and we respect one another. And he said business will prosper when that policy is followed There's no click running the show. It's the people of God standing together, working together, serving together. He said, secondly, in the business world, each person must be trained to fulfill the job he's been assigned. The tool die maker has to be trained. If he's an attorney, he has to be trained. Whatever the job is, he has to be trained to fulfill that job. Jesus did that, didn't he? He trained on the Sermon on the Mount on how to live. He trained by touching the lives of the leper and the blind and the hard of hearing and the down and out and the leper. Jesus taught us to love people, whatever their positions and whatever their problems and whatever their discouragements and whatever their hurts in life were. And that's what the church is about. It must be. But he said one other thing. He said any business that does not have new business coming into it, is going invariably to lose its business itself. If you look on the countrysides and in the major cities, you see buildings standing empty where churches once met. And there's a reason for it. They lost the vision of what the church is really about. It's about winning people, reaching people, training people, 
It's about the Great Commission. Win, reach, train your believers. You know, Drucker asked two questions, most biting questions I've ever read of the people in the business where he would speak in the conferences where he would speak. He would ask them, first of all, what is your business? They had to sit there and work through their minds what the business of their company really was. To apply that to the church, Jesus gave the Great Commission. Oh, you may say it's to go all over the world. Well, it, it is, but it also says that in Acts, you start in Jerusalem. For your business is to reach, we don't have a business bigger than reaching the people in Henderson County, Henderson, Kentucky. That's our immediate responsibility and assignment. Reach people. He asked a second thing, and it really bites at me in the years of my pastor. He said, how is business? That cuts the heart. How is our business of winning, reaching, winning, training individuals in kingdom ways and in service of the Lord God Almighty? I think, you know, one funny thing on church, I read, no, I saw on television where uh, some group is advertising quite a bit of money, urging people to sleep in on Sunday and not to go to church. Well, you don't have to do that. Baptists have been doing that as long as I can remember in here. But we need to get our feet in the direction of the church. We need to get our faith in the direction of God. We need to get our sense of responsibility in reaching people, accepting people, and being a part of a vital kingdom. I like that... Uh, story that I read and told once while I was here of the fellow who took his son to uh, his home and uh, they took where he grew up as a boy. They went, showed him the church where he went to. They went in, the table was turned over, the pews were torn up, the pulpit laying sideways. And he said, son, this was the lighthouse in this community when I was a boy. He looked up and saw a rope. He said, daddy, what's that rope? He said, oh, that connects to the bell. He said, we used to ring the bell and we called people to church in the countryside. He said, daddy, can I ring that bell? He said, I guess so. He rang and rang and rang. And the people working in the fields thought there was an emergency. They rushed out to the church. They saw the boy's father. For moments, they had a fellowship that was indescribable. For they'd come together from their childhood to the place that had meaning in their lives. You know, 
He rang the bell. And I think for a moment, this is the 4th of July. I think for a moment, as I look back, for the freedom you and I have to worship or not to worship, at the separation of church and state that we cherish, that there just may be a time in this season of the year and on this day that we ring the bell of freedom. I've got a semblance of the Liberty Bell of God in Philadelphia. But I ring that bell, ring that bell, because this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. May we pray. Father, we come in a quiet moment to talk to you. We pray we've heard you speak to us in a quiet way in the depth of our hearts. We pray that we regain again a fresh look at who we are and what we are part of, a nation that offers us freedom and paid the price for that freedom. And we invoke you upon you today to make a sense of your presence among us, to make this day a joyful day as we think of the land of the free and the home of the brave. There may be somebody here today who's never found Jesus Christ. Some heart that's in desperate need. And this can become a time when you would call them to come follow Jesus. Somebody for whom the church may take new meaning. And you would speak to both lives and hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing an invitation hymn in a moment. As we do, we ask you to consider coming if you need to make a response to Jesus Christ and trust him as your Savior, we ask you to come as we sing number 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Will you come?